Welcome to The Bias, where we talk about what happened before the story prints out. In this podcast, we'll talk about journalistic subjectivity, prejudice in the newsroom, what journalists think of their sources and how they deal with them. I'm Arno. I'm Isoke. And I'm Gus. And today, everyone's going to introduce themselves and tell a story that got them thinking about subjectivity. So do you want to go first, Isoke? All right. So, um... I grew up in a very small town in Rhode Island, um, and I am an aspiring culture writer and photojournalist. I have a background in mostly reporting on fitness and health, but I am also a docu documentary photographer. Um, in my photography, I explore a lot of topics, um, mostly having to do with identity, migration, um, assimilation fatigue, and the possibility of transgenerational trauma. Um, so I'm going to be talking about that a little bit as the show goes on. I guess one of the first instances where I was confronted with the uh, possibility of being a, an objective or subjective journalist was when I told one of my best friend's parents that I wanted to be a journalist. His dad actually said to me, do you want to be a conservative or a liberal reporter? And I was like, what do you mean? Um, and he was like, well, you have to choose. And I was like, well, I don't think I should have to. Like, I just want to be a journalist. I just want to share people's truths and tell stories. How are your politics at the time? I mean, I'm pretty liberal. Like, I, I think this was also just before the election, 2016. So tensions were high, and he's a very conservative. So I think that also contributed to the discussion of being like, ah, I don't know how to confront this discussion and I like don't want to be backed into a corner um so I, I definitely like shut down the discussion and was sort of like I don't know um I don't want to be that kind of reporter reporting either way but I remember leaving their house and thinking to myself he actually might have a point not that I want to be a liberal reporter but my views my background my life experiences will inform everything that I produce whether or not I do it intentionally. So it was one of the first times that I really thought about what kind of stories I tell and how my personal thoughts will influence the way that I share stories in the world. Yeah, so like that's a great story, and I definitely agree with what you're saying. It's basically inevitable to produce anything as a journalist and not have it colored by your perception and your background. Um, so I'm Gus. Uh, I'm also a student at the uh, CUNY J School, as all of us are. Um, I'm in the documentary specialization, so uh, my background's in like documentary video. I've also done some podcast stuff. Um, I've done documentary about accessibility, so I'm, I'm definitely interested in health, accessibility, um, interested in like explainer videos and history. So I definitely agree with what Isoke said. I think that um, no matter what you produce as a journalist, there's always going to be something that you don't produce. And uh, especially if you're doing a video about history, for example, um, there's always details you're going to tell and there's details you're not going to tell. And so I think that in it's uh, as much what you say as also what you don't say that um, 
will will impact the story that that you tell as a journalist. So tell us your story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Gus is the one that will get philosophical very quickly. <laughs> Well, uh, one of the inspirations for this podcast might have been that this has been a major discussion, uh, sort of a point of conflict between the younger students at the J School and the more seasoned professors in terms of different approaches to uh, journalism, maybe different politics. Um, a big, uh, I think my my specific professor for my craft of journalism class is a very old school journalist who was taught these old school rules that are very standard and good to know. Um, but at the same time, I think I think students are more questioning of some of the uh, practices that he has come to accept as the, the status quo. In pretty much every class I've had and the orientation, we've all talked about the question of calling Trump a racist, which the general consensus among the, the students is yes. Um, and uh, it's something that is much more of a, of a question and a debate among these more seasoned journalists. I mean, I'm no authority on it. My uh, opinion on that is that there is, it kind of depends on the, your view of racism, not seeing it as an objective system that physically and tangibly impacts people. And I think anything that is physical and tangibly impacts people can be talked about in an objective way. And I'm Arno. I grew up in France, in Bordeaux, in a lovely town that is also super fucking conservative. Um, oops, expletive. We might have to beat that out. <laughs> that's something I'm discovering in the U.S. now um, that's so foreign to my French experience. I did my undergrad in, in Canada, in Montreal, where I like started to explore journalism. And I started with the French newspaper. And it was a really bad experience, to be honest. And then I moved to the English newspaper. And that was where I really felt like, whoa, this is... This is amazing. Like, the politics were better for me. The newsroom was more more accepting of my identity. And that's where I started to be like, okay, I want to be a journalist. Since then, I've been working on subjects of race, colonization, gender, LGBTQ stuff, geographic racism, stuff like that in France and Canada, and now I hope in the U.S. And my story, I guess, would be that story of leaving that French student newspaper and going into that English student newspaper. Being in that French student newspaper, I felt subjectivity very strongly. Like, I moved into that space where everyone was all about objectivity, but I was led on the side by everyone because of who I am. That's how I felt. Um, of Because of being queer, being engaged in questions of gender, all these things sort of like left me out of a lot of conversation where whenever I would speak, I would feel a gasp in the room and I would know that the next five minutes that I would talk, like nobody would be listening to me. So that was, I think, my first experience of like subjectivity in the newsroom. Um, and moving into the English newsroom, I went like the other way completely. The newsroom was very engaged politically. It clearly stated that it thought about the ways in which power was discriminatory against race, gender, class, etc. And keeping silent about these things would be being complicit in those things. So it was just like I went from A to Z. But do you want to talk a bit about the differences between those two newsrooms and like do you yeah. think it went from more objective to more subjective? Or like, what is the what are the differences? Um, I think it went from one subjectivity to another. <laughs> um, I think it was, it had to do with many things, the politics, but also the composition of the newsroom. Like, I moved from like a mostly straight white newsroom to the majority of the newsroom was people of color, 
uh, women or femme people. Almost 100% of us were queer, even though it was like a general news newspaper. And so it had to do with that composition and also the take they had on what's news and what's what's the context right now. I think in the French student newspaper, we were very concerned about Quebec and like French preservation. And in the English newspaper, we were like, all about systemic oppression, racism, colonialism, all these things. So they, it was like a very different way to look at the news. So would you say that you just found a newsroom with your kind of subjectivity? Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah, that would be fair. <laughs> I feel like this is an attack, but... <laughs> no, I don't mean to attack you, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think so. I think I need... I think... I don't know if everyone's subjectivity was mine, but there was definitely a basis that I was way more comfortable in. I'm thinking about it in more like a, a basis, a subjective basis, where you all agree on certain things. And like this thing you're telling me about whether people agree that Trump is racist or not, that requires like a group of people to agree, I think, on a basis thing of like... Racism exists. I see no changes. All I see is racist faces. Misplaced hate makes disgrace to races. We under. I wonder what it takes to make this. One better place. Let's see race the wasted. Take the evil out the people. They'll be acting right. Cause both black and white. And smoke a crack tonight. And the only time we chill is when we kill each other. It takes skills to be real time to heal each other. And although it seems evident, we ain't ready to see a black president. So I think that's a good transition into our next discussion, which is do you all still believe or have you ever believed in subjectivity and why? I actually, for the most part, I equate objectivity with truth. And um, I do believe that the truth exists. But I think that the current status quo, what people think is objective, and what people think is truth, I don't agree with. Like, I think there's this imagined center that's uh, actually far more right than what the status quo is. I think people, there's a discussion about, oh, like there's this far left and there's this far right and there's reason in the center. And um, I frankly don't believe that the status quo is working right now. I think that the, there's certainly, certainly what was before Trump was better, but there is... Do you think what was before Trump was better? I feel like there's this illusion that since Trump, everything's up on the table, but I'm like, what... How did we talk about conservative views before? Like, I'm sure conservative and even liberals, like, I'm sure politicians said bullshit before. And a lot of them gave them fake news, like, maybe not to the same rate, but... Yeah, no, absolutely. The U.S. has had aggressive immigration policies, has had, like, imperialistic war policies, has had, like, all these things. So I, I think there's just, like, there's an imagined status quo that I don't think really exists. And there's an imagined normal that I don't think really exists. And so I think we really need to challenge and question what that normal is. So for me, I actually think that the discussion that's being had about objectivity and subjectivity has largely become synonymous with like partisanism. And perhaps that's not the discussion that we actually need to be having. Um, while it's important for us to think about if when we write, we're writing entirely conservative, entirely liberal, and can we find some place in the middle? I think maybe part of why we got lost along the way and people have really become infuriated with the way that journalists approach writing is because um, they feel like we've put such an emphasis on, on politics. Mm -hmm. You can either go one way or the other. And to some extent, that's entirely true. Um, but on the other hand, I think that when we try to tell the whole truth, which is the goal that all of us as journalists have, or most of us, we hope, yeah, we need to reassess what that means. 
because, like I said earlier, uh, there's never a time when you're not putting some of yourself into what you've written or what you're writing um, in the way that you interview someone and the way that you pick out the quotes that you find most important in a story um, and the stories that you choose to cover. That all plays a role in your subjectivity as a journalist. And I think that when we narrow the discussion into, are you liberal? Are you conservative? Are you conservative? That's what's dividing us, I think. I used to be like, objectivity doesn't exist. Like I, so this English newspaper, the McGill Daily, there was this widely shared assumption that objectivity doesn't exist. And we didn't bother with a lot of things about like fair, giving fair, like, what is it? Like 50-50, sort of like, we should hear from both sides. Yeah, that was something that we really hated because there was, a very strong activist like counterpoint that is like both sides are not equal, which is very true. Like, and the fact of like you can't weigh both sides equally, or sometimes they're not even both sides. But that left us in a situation where, in many cases, we only heard from actually just one side. And I think, in many ways, it was helpful. In many other ways, it was very not helpful. I'm not a partisan of hearing both sides, but there's like something you can fail to grasp when you don't understand how the sort of other party is resisting to whatever you're saying. Because that doesn't give you the tools to fight back when you're going to be attacked with that other side. I don't want to trash on it completely because I really liked it. In many ways, it was such a safer place for a lot of us. So I I started from this position, being very radically like opposed to objectivity. I still don't think that it really exists as is, but I still feel like there is value in like sort of arming yourself against the other position because this is the one that might be in power. And this is something you don't want to neglect. Like you don't want to say like, I don't know. This is this is colonialism, end point. You got to well, come then, with receipts. Yeah, come with the receipts, exactly. And I think this is our job as journalists, is to do, okay, this is all the points that I'm going to make. So this is A, this is B, this is C, this is D. And all of this is like exemplifying that we live in a colonial state and you understand why I'm saying that. I don't know. I'm not so sure anymore that subjectivity is great. Well, I, don't, I also don't think there's always like... You could always break things so evenly into two sides. I mean, you could even look at, like, a lot of, like, very avowedly, like, leftist circles will, like, only focus on class and not race, for example, and actually have a very toxic element of that. So I think you have to take in a lot of perspectives because it's very difficult to, like, have this one right perspective. It's, it's one correct perspective. That was also the thing that was good about this space that I was in at Miguel Deli is a lot of the discussion was also about building that subjectivity in the first place. Like, you can't have necessarily a discussion with both sides if your own subjectivity is not formed. And a lot of these things is about, like, we're, we're, building, our, we're building our subjectivity, and then we're, like, someone comes in and is like, wait, 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 your analysis of whatever, gen- like, descriptor, gender, race, etc., is not taking into account this other part. And so we, we need time to be able to build this subjectivity and then I think eventually just be like, okay, now let's get into an argument. But I also agree that the way that we form our thoughts and the way that we are able to uh, become the, per- the people we are as adults and as grown people and continue to evolve is by inhabiting spaces that allow us to come into our ways of thinking. And I think that for you, it seems like uh, the McGill Daily was that space. So in providing that space to embrace your own subjectivity, you were able to then, okay, say, 
all right, this is where I am. Now I have the opportunity to like assess what others are thinking, giving yourself a slightly more objective view, even though it's still subjective in some ways. And I think that that's important to recognize that all of us on our journey to becoming journalists um, will be in spaces that really foster our own beliefs and will be in spaces that completely take us out of that comfort zone and make us very uncomfortable. And that's a challenge that we have to confront because it's the only way that we'll actually grow into being slightly more objective. Um, and that's the goal that we have as journalists. Gus, go for it. I'm Gus. No, no, I mean, you go for it. Go for saying, see you next time. You're, you're seeing you next time, is what I'm saying. Okay, right. so we're going to wrap this up. I'm Arno. I'm Isoke. I'm Gus. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.